Turning Sour, my weekly market review, May 14th, 2023. Attention on Wall Street is shifting away from guessing future interest rates to the distinct possibility of an economic downturn. And that is encouraging investors to reward the strong and punish the weak. This is causing increasing divergences between the performance of different stocks within the same index or even the same sector. Winners offsetting losers is giving the impression of a quiet market not really going anywhere when you look at down on it from an index level. But there is a lot going on under the surface. We are also seeing bonds finally beginning to return to their historically traditional role as having a low or even sometimes reverse correlation with stocks. This was very not the case in 2022, which is why it was such a uniquely disastrous year for portfolios with diversified stock and bond allocations, as everything took a dive at the same time, which almost never happens for any extended period. House Republicans in the White House are on a high-speed debt ceiling collision course, with each side betting the other will blink before impact. Both camps seem to be counting on a portfolio-busting investor meltdown to do their dirty work for them when they eventually reach a face-saving compromise in the 59th minute of the 11th hour to dodge a default. That way, they can turn around to their respective bases and say that, although they did their very best to screw over the other side, those pesky financial markets forced their hands, and that, in the end, they took a decision that was in the best interests of the country. So icky. Meantime, the picture will likely emerge on the world stage of the United States as a largely dysfunctional quasi-banana republic shooting itself in the foot and no longer worthy of a position of leader and steward of global markets and the worldwide economy. Lots of rice smiles in Beijing, I'm thinking. During a week in which you'd think his attention ought to be elsewhere, potential presidential candidate Donald Trump still managed to find time to hop aboard the default express, embracing the willingness, some might say eagerness, of many House Republicans to risk a U.S. debt default as a weapon to extract political concessions. Speaker Kevin McCarthy also doubled down on the strategy last week, saying after a breakdown of talks with the president that the consensus among Republicans is to keep the pressure on the president of the United States. This stance is not impressing J.P. Morgan's CEO, Jamie Dimon, who, along with his Goldman Sachs counterpart, preached to the choir and sent a letter to U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen calling for an urgent and immediate increase to the debt limit. The whole congressional dance of death is starting to affect consumer sentiment, as represented by the latest monthly Index of Consumer Sentiment released last week, which is quickly turning sour as Americans become significantly more concerned about the health of the economy and what is looming on the horizon. Consumer prices rose less than expected on an annual basis in April, raising optimism that stubbornly high inflation is beginning to moderate. The Consumer Price Index, CPI measure of retail inflation, was up 4.9% year-over-year, down from 5% in March, and below economists' forecast. That was the lowest level for the CPI in two years. 
the monthly gain of 0.4% was in line with expectations. It was the 10th straight month of lower annualized inflation from a peak of above 9% last summer. Those CPI numbers were confirmed by the Producer Price Index, PPI, measure of wholesale inflation affecting manufacturers, which was released the next day and was pretty much in line with expectations and which showed its lowest reading since January 2021. While inflation is inching towards the Federal Reserve's 2% target, it may be a while before we get there. New York Fed President John Williams said this week that it could take as long as two years before we see inflation back where the Fed needs it to be. Nevertheless, the two inflation reports seem to have done little to change the market's view that the Fed will leave interest rates unchanged next month, still hovering around a 90% probability, and it's unanimous, quite literally 100% of futures market participants believe that the Fed will have been forced to cut rates by the end of the year, even though the Fed insists it won't do such a thing. Regional bank instability continued as PacWest announced that it lost 10% of its deposits in just a two-day period, and the stock promptly fell 22% in the blink of an eye. To be clear, don't listen to the clueless 2008 truthers on FinTalk. The problem is not an insolvency one this time, where the public will necessarily lose their deposits. It's a macroeconomic one resulting from a likely widespread reduction in bank capital being made available for businesses, credit contraction, as it's known on Wall Street, because of inevitably increased regulatory and FDIC insurance costs. The likely Fed pause, better than feared first quarter earnings, and most of the May economic data so far have all been kind of okay, and generally a somewhat muted positive for stocks. But most of these factors are also already priced in, and none of the major issues that could cause a sharp market decline, a nasty recession, inflation stickiness, more regional bank issues, debt ceiling chaos, etc., have yet been eliminated. In other words, all that's happening is that already existing expectations are being mostly met and validated. It'll take a substantial improvement in multiple market influences to push stocks meaningfully higher from here. Meanwhile, the risk to the downside brought about by any kind of disappointment remains elevated.